what was your favorite part of the pandemic lockdown <laughs> season? My favorite part. Wow. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're silver lining this here. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag Enneagram sevens. Totally. <laughs> you know, um, there are a lot of things that were hard about it. We did, we did buy a house and that really has nothing to do with the pandemic, but it was great. Um, but I think one thing that's been really nice about the pandemic is that we have a 10 year old son and I think he's kind of, he was coming to the age where he was like done with me. Like he wanted to hang out with his friends way more than he wanted to hang out with me, which is developmentally appropriate. And like in certain ways, kind of nice sometimes because I don't love Minecraft the way that he does, but. Do you ever feel like you could die from listening I to Minecraft do. stories? Cause <laughs> I, I, sometimes it feels like you could die, you know? <laughs> It's just like, those sound like words. I don't, I don't know what those words are. There was a point in the pandemic where I started understanding the words and it made me sad. <laughs> Damn it. Now I understand. Anyway, but in spite of the Minecraft fatigue, I do think we kind of got an extra year of being Jack's people because mm. he's an only child and um, where I would have been the person who's always ditching there weren't other options and like we got to really be like his best friends in this year and I think there are a lot of ways that that was hard for him and for us but there are a lot of things about that that were really um nice you know it was it just it was kind of I feel kind of tender about it you know we're all excited for him to go into fifth grade in person please Jesus but um but this year there has been something kind of sweet about, about just getting to like every day, like, what are we going to do today? And uh, we learned to ride bikes. We've been biking, we've been swimming, we've been learning guitar, you know? So it's like, what can we do with this child? That's not on a screen. And uh, it's like, I felt like a camp counselor for the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to mom camp. Yeah, for sure. I think mom camp should be like a camp you go to as a mom where you get like pampered, not where you like are the counselor. He was in kid camp. True. And I was in charge of True. it. <laughs> what was your favorite part of the pandemic? Torchies. Torchies <laughs> tacos. Now, for those of you who do not live in Austin, well, Texas. We're sorry about that. You should. I mean, um, don't. It's getting real busy over here. Maybe don't come. But, uh, but you could. But the, the valiant efforts of <laughs> the employees at Torchies Tacos carried us through. So I'm deeply, deeply grateful because like for me, like Torchies was kind of like when we first moved here, kind of like the taste of home mm -hmm. along with like Kirby Lane, mm -hmm. you know, the, but the, but with Kirby, but with, with, with Torchies, like it was always the taste of like, this was, this is mm -hmm. what home tasted like to me when we first moved here. And so like, yeah. it was like the comfort, <laughs> uh, you know, the world was going mad, but there was Torchies. Yeah. And no, they're not sponsoring this episode yet. They should torches <laughs> come to you, buddy. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so, so that, that, that was my favorite. There's many other parts, but I think that's the thing that, you know, they, they started making like a family pack yeah, and then dude. you could just assemble your own and it would last for like three meals. Yeah. It's really good. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So Yay, welcome. pandemic life. So, <laughs> welcome to the Kimberly and Coach Show, where we bring you actionable practices you can use in your leadership and collaboration. I'm Coach. Kimberly is right next to me. And we're back. We're back. 
So Kimberly, catch up our listeners about what's happening with Kimberly and Coach as a shop during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, we first of all, we got a new house and we moved into a brand new headquarters. We have a Zoom studio now, which Welcome is the studio. extraordinarily better than the apartment <laughs> plan that we had. You guys, when we would do like an event. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We would basically tear our living room apart, set up lights, and like we turn should our put a picture in the show a, notes. Yeah, turn our living room into a studio, and it was just ludicrous. Yeah, because most of our events that we had um, scheduled were in-person events, and at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like maybe we should just wait. We'll reschedule it in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> but some of them were like, no, we want a virtual event, and so Ben created a living room studio for us to do webinars, but it meant tearing down the entire living room and moving the couches and like it, it, you couldn't walk anywhere. It was just, um, it was a lot. It was. Yeah. Now we have a room for this. Just a, just a permanent studio. Here it is. It's so right exciting. Here. So that, that was a big deal. Um, we shifted a lot of our events into online and virtual format, mm-hmm. um, including doing some Enneagram workshops with some great organizations. And I've been doing some work with an organization called five Q so we've got that going. We also learned a new personality, like collaboration profile called the Impact. So yes, we've been sweet. sweet. We've been getting certified in that for the whole pandemic. I think we were the slowest people ever. <laughs> because <laughs> we took like six months to do like a six-hour training. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we were also remote schooling a kid and doing other work and. So, um, but we really learned the impact. Let me tell you, we did. And also right. we took it slow. Cause we want, we really like it. We didn't just want a piece of paper. We wanted to like wrap our heads completely around it. Yeah. I'm actually very excited because our next episode, we are interviewing Joe Shannon, Joe Shannon from, from the impact organization. Um, so you guys will get to meet him next time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, be super cool. And so also we put up a, a free nine video introduction yes, course to the work that we do on YouTube. And we actually recorded this course a long time ago mm-hmm. for, uh, for a data science organization. And, um, Which uh, is funny. Yeah. We, were, we were trying to say like, there's data around people too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it is, yeah, it's, it's really super fun. And so we've, we've posted the course up on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's available to you. I'll put it in the show notes so y'all can go bounce into that and you know pick up on that if you'd like to hang out with us for nine videos. They're all short videos, by the way. So they're like, like less than 10 minutes a piece. But yeah. they're power packed. And power it's, packed. it's all around a, which language of value to choose and why it's important to have a language of value in your organization. So we get into that and then talk about which one might be right for you. Um, right. So it's actually a very cool little course, and you can learn a little bit about Enneagram, Myers Briggs, Strengths Finder, which is now Clifton Strengths, a um, couple other things. So check that out if you want. We'll put the link in the show notes. And then, of course, you may have noticed that we took a little pause on our podcast. <laughs> it was for me- 16 months. It was meant to be no a, little, a little pause. You know, um, immediately when the pandemic happened, we stopped having any space, literally, because our son was home. My mom came to live with us. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment. Like, there's literally <laughs> not a quiet room to record a podcast, you know. Then we moved, and then we were schooling. You know, like, it's just, it's been, you know, we started waiting. Like, when will be the right time 
And we feel like that time is now. It's just a short year and a half later. Yeah. So we actually, we had a podcast and we started a brand new podcast, The Kimberly and Coach Show, which you are listening to right now. And then we put out two episodes. Mm-hmm. Which are good. good. You know, <laughs> our episode with Abby is, a, is great. They're an amazing guest. They are an amazing guest. Yeah. If you check out episode two, uh, the practice that Abby talks about is fantastic. Um, we occasionally just get messages about it because people are like, whoa. Yeah. So good. Um, and then after two episodes, we pause for a year We're and like, half. like, well... <laughs> So <laughs> the world coming back online, what are we doing? You know, and we took some time to sort things out and I think enhance, yeah. enhance our own offerings too. So we weren't doing nothing. You know? well, yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of recalibrating. And then as soon as we recalibrated, recalibrating again, cause the world kept shifting. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we opening? Are we not opening? You know, like, are we, are we doing in-person things? Are we not? So um, now we're back yep. and, and we're back. Thank you for joining us for episode three of the longest season that ever was. (laughs) And we thought that the practice that would make the most sense to talk about as we jump back into this podcast would be checking in after a setback. This is a good, (laughs) yeah, this is a good, this is a good time in, in the, in the ethos of, uh, Mm -hmm. of the world. (laughs) The whole world. Yeah, really the world, because I mean, there's been a lot of weird things happening and a lot of folks are, are struggling. A lot of folks are quitting. Also, I think is really interesting right now. They're calling, somebody was naming it the great resignation the where great shops resignation. are like, Hey, okay, everybody come back in the office. And they're like, nah, no, <laughs> I'm a quit. <laughs> and they do, <laughs> you know? And, um, and, and yeah, it's, it's really been a weird thing. Yeah. Now is know? a very good time to invest in your team dynamic. It's a very good time. If <laughs> during, you like to keep them during the great resignation, <laughs> you might want your people to feel valued. Yeah. And so just an idea. So yeah. So, so Kimberly has formulated a series of questions to really stop and pause, mm-hmm. you know, and ask your team. And sometimes, you know, some teams feel like, Oh, that's just, you know, fluffy, you know, BS nonsense, you know, that, that doesn't put anything to the bottom line, but here's the thing. If you don't have people, <laughs> I think we're like, seeing the bottom line right now. Like, right, Oh, it does right. matter. <laughs> you know, would you like to run the yeah. entire shop by yourself? Cause I mean, if you do oh. cool, you know, as when I worked at steak and shake, <laughs> that was a question that, uh, that we asked a lot, you know, yeah. and when we were trying, we were de- especially when we were dealing with um, challenging employees, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to run the restaurant by yourself? You go ahead and fire them. Go ahead, let them go. I think you we can run the whole shop yourself. We've definitely told this story in our other podcast, but Ben would build up a really great crew and then he'd have a weekend off and come back and they had fired the whole crew. Yeah. <laughs> then they didn't want to work for someone that wasn't, or the whole crew had quit and he'd have to start. Start, start it over again. It's just like, come on, guys. <laughs> this know? is like 20 years ago, but it, it's tendrilled into everything we do today. You know, <laughs> really? Like, no let's kidding. not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, you know, we're all coming coming back sort of from the pandemic. Of course, it's not over. You know, we're, there's a lot of little setbacks in a, in a setback as big as a global pandemic. But these questions are also useful in a normal business setback, which you have all the time. No. Uh, the loss of a big client. No business uh, has ever had setbacks. A surprise resignation of an important employee. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you roll out a, a new program and it 
doesn't yeah, work. So there's a there's a bug like, that is tragic, you know, uh, data loss, you know, things like that. And so when you have a setback, it's very tempting to manage the crisis and then just try to get back to normal as quickly as possible. Like back to the grind. We have to, we lost time now, we have to gain it back without taking a pause and checking in after the setback. And that often makes people feel frustrated and unvalued. And it stops you from learning things that you could really benefit from through the course of that setback. So we have a couple of questions and mm -hmm. we'll talk about them in, in terms of the pandemic, but also in terms of, you know, every business has setbacks. Um, and these are questions that you can ask. You can take a pause, even if it's just an hour meeting with your key people to say, I just want to take a minute and check in so that we can recalibrate and make sure we're all on the same page, make sure we've learned what we need to learn, that kind of thing. So the first question is, in this setback, did you feel supported? And that's going to give people a chance to tell you how they felt, if they felt valued and supported. It's also going to help you see the holes in your processes for supporting people as they manage crisis, because you can't run a business or a team without sometimes having a crisis. <laughs> and so sometimes, just sometimes <laughs> you want your team to feel like everyone's on the same team and everybody's being supported. You don't mm. want it to be the blame game of like, whose fault is this crisis? That's a, that is a question that is Costing you time, game. you know, that's, that's, you just lost the game. As soon as that question comes out on the table, it's like, mm. I mean, you can learn from it, but it's not going to help you in that moment. You know, the moment of solving it, you need people to feel supported. Right. And I think so many shops, they don't feel like, well, feelings are not important because that doesn't have anything to do with the function of the job or the function of the work. And <laughs> that also is a losing proposition if that's if that's mm -hmm. a position that's held because people are not just robots. Right. People are not, uh, you know, they're not automatons. They have hearts and minds. We, we said, you know, in, in previous programs that people are hearts and minds to be motivated and coached and not, <laughs> not robots to be managed. <laughs> right. Robots to be programmed. You know, right. I mean, that's just, you know, I, I, you know, having been in the tech world for 20 plus years, I know the difference, <laughs> you know? and, and let me tell you, pull any tech person aside and they will tell you the difference too. Right. Um, and so many times we, we forget that side of the business because that is a side of the business. It, there are real people, real hearts, real minds in this process. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of research and data around people's sense of feeling valued and heard and their, the way they do their work. And the, the way that employee engagement affects the bottom line and the productivity. And when you are in a crisis and you feel like nobody really cares about you, the, the way that you're going to show up to work is very different than when you feel like we are all part of a team and we need to manage this together and I am supported. And you know this because you've probably worked a job that sucked. <laughs> and you've probably worked a job that was okay. And you know the difference of how you show up when you are invested. And so when you ask a question like, did you feel supported and you learn from their answer, then just the question itself shows that you want to support them, even when you're in a crisis, even when the crisis is their fault, because that, 
you know, that happens. happens. <laughs> and if you're not firing that person, you have to develop that person. You have to fix it. You have to help them, you know, and they have to know they still are valuable. Then they're going to do their best work because when it, when you feel ownership of a place, you're going to work hard to save it and to make sure things come out as well as they can. When you don't feel ownership because everybody doesn't care about you, you are going to punch your card and you're going to do the bare minimum to not get fired. But, but you're, gonna, you're not going to show up with your best effort. And in the middle of a setback, you want the best effort, you know? Right, right. So the next question to hit is, have our goals and priorities changed? Mm-hmm. Do we need to recalibrate the mission or the task to run before we, before we start again on this process? I think the goals and priorities, I think for a lot of shops, have shifted a ton in those right. last 16 months, especially. Mm-hmm. Because not only did they have to, to reprioritize their internal process, they had to reprioritize how they were serving customers because right. they, it was just not, you know, it was not business as usual, you know? And so that, that has, that shifted because part of the goals and priorities in this last 16 months is how do we keep our customers from not dying, you know, and how do we keep them, you know, from getting sick, you know, right. how do we keep our right. people from getting our own employees and our own customers from me, our own internal customers from, from dying and getting sick? Cause that's not going to help you either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not going to, you know, when you have an employee, yeah. you know, a business full of dead employees, this is not, this is not good practice. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're still, I still, we're still having shops who are still not quite getting that idea yet. Um, and it's frustrating to me, you know, let me get on my little high horse about this for a get second. Get right back off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> come so, on back, babe. <laughs> come on back. All right. Come on back. Anyway. But I do think, I think that's a good question in terms of um, even in, I think about the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. So much has changed in the last 16 months about yeah. one, how you clean to help people not get illness. Mm. And my strong hope is that some of that will stay, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we will continue to have better filtration and better sanitation and things like that. And Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing that has come up is when an employee is sick, should they come to work? And I think before this pandemic, the feeling was if you're not in a hospital, you better be here in a lot of shops. But now there's like, you know, we know everyone can work, not everyone, many people can work from home now. What if you're sick? You're not so sick that you can't work, but you just don't come in. Then you don't get everybody else sick. You know, like, what if we could keep that instead of just going back to the way that it was? You know, I think also in the restaurant industry, a lot has happened around the wage of Mm -hmm. restaurant employees. We call these people essential for over a year. And now they're saying like, well, we want to get paid an essential living wage. Then pay us like we're essential. And so so businesses are having to recalibrate. You know, when you're asking the question, are goals and priorities, have they changed? Then at least in Austin, what I'm noticing is that businesses are shifting the way they're doing business so that they can pay a higher wage Mm -hmm. in the restaurant industry because they can't staff their restaurants. And that is happening all over the United States right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. so, and part of it is that you couldn't, you had to let go of a lot of your staff and they went and got other jobs, you know, like there are other things at play, mm-hmm. but if you want to then come back, you know, like what if you raised your prices a little so that you could pay a little bit more and then 
maybe those people value the company and the restaurant more. Maybe they treat the customer better. You know, like there's like, there's a shift in the calibration and the, the caliber of restaurants in Austin that I'm really enjoying. And as a customer, the way I choose a restaurant has changed a lot because there are restaurants that I do not want to go away. Right, so like right. part of my life mission right now <laughs> is to pick the restaurants who treat their employees well, who have amazing atmosphere, whose management we love and go there and pay more and tip more because I want them to continue to exist. <laughs> and yeah, some of our favorite places yeah. didn't make it out of the pandemic. They didn't. And some of them haven't yet, but they, they might not, you know? Um, so those are, those are just some examples of where, like, if you stop and say, there's, there's been some changes, some things have come up and maybe our goals and priorities have changed. Maybe our goal was to have the cheapest product, but now our goal is to pay our people and to be the best work environment. That's going to shift the way you do business. Right. And so being able to talk about that is really important before you get back to work. Because if you do need to change the mission, you should do it before you do some work that's not going to get used. Mm. You know, you yeah, should do it before people are just spinning their wheels trying to get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question that, mm -hmm. that Kimberly formulated is, uh, has a setback taught us anything we can implement moving forward? So mm -hmm. this is, uh, in addition to uh, the, the, the goals, priorities, and the mission, we also need to look at the things that we can implement in terms of task and process. Right. Uh, and that I think is, is wide reaching widespread, you know, in the way that so many shops have, have done remote work, uh, schools too. Yeah. You know, a lot of schools, almost every school system that, that did remote, which I think is almost all of them really struggled with this. It's so and hard. It's, it's so hard, hard yeah. you know, when you've got a whole bunch of, you know, when you got 30 some odd little pictures of small little people on your screen and you're used to having them inside of a big room, mm -hmm. like that process is uh, teaching remote is wildly different. Now mm -hmm. I've taught remote since I've been teaching remote since like 2007. Okay. Which is weird. Um, maybe even before <laughs> that. Um, so way, way back. And so, so for me, it's second nature. I'm like, okay, listen, I've been doing this for a long time, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, of course, yeah, I know how to do it because I've been doing it for, you know, 15 plus years. But for a, a school teacher who's never had to do that kind of work and never sat a Zoom meeting before, mm -hmm. it was a culture shock. And for the kids, it was a culture shock. Yeah. I think it's also, there are some key differences. Like you are teaching adults right. who are choosing mm -hmm. to be in your courses. Or at least versus maybe like choosing. children. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, as an adult, you get to pick whether you quit your job as a, or go to child, a course with me. You don't get, <laughs> you don't get to pick whether you go to school, your parents pick <laughs> the state picks, you know? Right. Um, but I think, I think just when I think about teachers, I think of how much, you know, Jack was in fourth grade when a kid is sad in your classroom as a teacher, as a teacher for a hot second, and you, you feel them, you know, like you, you're aware of them because of their posture. Mm. You're aware of them because they're looking a certain, they're looking it down there, you know, they might cry or something, you know, when, when a kid is sad on zoom, they turn off their screen, they turn off their video, like just the, 
the hard question about do you make a kid turn on their video or not right right <laughs> but you have no information about what that kid is doing if they don't have their video on you know it's just profoundly hard <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so let's bring this in for a landing here uh when we're doing these kinds of check-ins are there any considerations that okay. yes before we bring it in for a landing what was this thing that you were talking about that the setback taught us So the question is, has this setback taught us anything that we can implement moving forward? So you were talking about the teachers had to make this change to Zoom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like what, what were you building to in terms of what the setback taught in terms of virtual environments and things like that? Yeah. So one of the interesting things I think that did happen, you know, cause we saw this happen literally real time Yeah. is we saw the teacher, you know, when you're forced to do something, you have to find ways to cope, right? right? And you also find best practices. Mm -hmm. And so that part, I think, is that I think, as I did watch and observe, uh, you know, Jack's school teacher over the year, uh, she did start to develop best practices. In the beginning, it was real rough. <laughs> you know? But as the year continued forward, she found ways to keep those kids engaged she mm -hmm. found ways you know to communicate with those kids they did breakout rooms they you know they 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 did more um virtual specific kinds of activities you know and so i think the, the kind of crucible that they were placed into mm -hmm. did create a new set of skills that teachers developed on the fly now they may not realize they have developed them and talking with some teachers, let me tell you, I don't think that they've really, <laughs> they really realized how much they did get, yeah. you know, and how much it could shift. I mean, now most teachers are going to be like, no, 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 we're going straight back into the, into the classroom next year, which is totally fine. I get that. And I endorse that as a live choice, but I think that the, these new skills that not only just the teachers receive, but also the kids. Yep. All right. The kids also developed a new set of skills that no generation has had this young before. It's a little scary. And including our own kid who, as it turns out, he's kind of, well, he's his father's child. Okay. <laughs> so he's kind That's of true. a hacker punk. And so he like figured out how to take a picture of baby Yoda and put it on, to, on, on the camera, you know, and, and that was, so he was like baby Yoda for like, like two weeks. And then after that, he and his friend figured out how to put ba pictures of bagels and they became the cult of the bagel for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It got I think, a little I, obnoxious towards the end. It did. In fairness but. to the teacher, I think it's making the teacher sound bad, but by the end of the school year, most of the kids were in the classroom and like mm. four or five kids were in remote. And one of them was Jack because my mom lives with us and she has health concerns and, you know, we didn't send him to school. And so because of that, I mean, can you even imagine trying to manage 20 kids in a classroom plus no, like a whole Zoom in my, I don't know, just in yeah. fairness to her. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And I think partially, I think mm -hmm. what I came to realize later on is like, okay, maybe the teacher caught on, but maybe the teacher knew about it and was just like, you know what, do I need to do anything with this right now? <laughs> this cannot be my priority. No. Yeah. Well, as... <laughs> they can be bagels for like another <laughs> just... week. It's fine. It brought them a lot of joy you to know. be bagels. It did. It's yeah. like, all right, cool. I think to, to bring this back out of the school environment just a little bit, like one of the things that setbacks often teach us is where there's a hole in our process where we need to create like a checklist or we need better communication in this 
part of the mm, process. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't take a look at that and say like, what, what broke down here that led to this and then implement something that shifts that, then we're missing a huge opportunity to stop it from happening again. Some people really like crisis mode. I don't. So <laughs> I want to stop and take a minute and say like, what did we learn? Not in a blaming way, because that ship has sailed, but in a, is there a way we could have made this not happen? Is there a check and balance that needs to happen here? Is there, you know, a process that needs to be implemented? Do we need to make sure this person CC'd when we make a decision to shift? You know, whatever the case is, if you can kind of name that and put it into the process, kind of codify the thing that you've learned, that is going to be a huge win for your culture. And it's going to say, hey, even when we have a setback, we can learn from it and we can get better as a team. And that is going to be much, much better. Oh, yeah. I think that's one of the interesting things about this is that, you know, the whole, the whole entirety of this, there's an opportunity to either whine, cry, complain, and blame, blame, but the other side of the oppor- of the oppor- this opportunity is to say, this did potentially make us better. Mm-hmm. You know, we did find out that a whole lot of jobs can be done remote, and that can reduce costs. Right. You know, uh, this can also lead to happier employees. You know, now granted, there are some jobs that can't be done remote. You know, so there's there we did learn a lot of things. You know, about what happened. I think if we can move in the direction of a positive in this, out of this pandemic season, I think that, I think every shop can benefit from just taking an hour, you know, and saying, what did we learn? Write it down, codify some things, adjust some processes, you know, and, and and move forward in a way that says, you know, in in a celebration of what you accomplished. Because that's the other thing too, is that you, for shops that made it through, yeah. There's, there's a lot to be celebrated there, you know, for mm-hmm. shops that didn't make it through, there's a time to mourn, you know, yeah. we, we need to, we need to, to grieve, you know, like when some of our favorite restaurants, you know, just oh. have a closed shop, we had a period of grief, like, you know, can you like, tell we're oh, kind of gosh. foodies over here, <laughs> um, <laughs> but we knew yeah. the people and it right. was like, mm-hmm. no, right. And so, you know, we need to grieve what, what, what has passed, but celebrate what has also what also is, is, uh, coming forward. Yeah. And that, that's what I think kind of, I kind of land in, in terms of, you know, in terms of this whole kit of mm-hmm. that, that the pandemic has brought, cause it really has, it's brought us this whole new set of circumstances for sure. conditions that yeah. we can, that you can either work inside of and take advantage of, or let it consume the shop, the business and yourself, you know? And so there's, there's a selection that can be made there. Yeah. And as we wrap this up, I just want to point out that if you don't take the time to have this conversation officially, it does not mean it won't happen. (laughs) It just won't happen with you. So you lose out on all of the knowledge. You lose out on the chance to codify things into your processes. Mm. But you also, you don't get to listen. And people being listened to is a lot of how people feel valued. Yeah. So if you want your people to feel loyalty and ownership and engagement in your shop, whatever that may be, or your team, or even in your family, 
then listening to how they feel about things and what they noticed and what they'd like to see change and what they'd like to see move forward. That is an expression of value. That is a practice of value, yeah. regardless of whatever it is they say, you know? And so it's an opportunity that if you, if you don't take it, you're missing out, you know, and they will still process it, but they might not process it in as positive ways as they might, if you facilitate that processing. (laughs) There'll be many meetings after the meeting. And yeah, that's, that's something that you want to capture and maybe even turn into some momentum. Yep. So thank you for hanging out with us today. Again, this is the Kimberly and Coach Show. Or once again, we completely endorse visiting your favorite restaurants, yes. paying what they're now charging and tipping heavily for your favorite people. Thanks. And be nice. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. 